Welcome to Cybersecurity Business. I'm your host, Kevin Poucher, the COO of KLogix. In our podcast, we interview CISOs and other security leaders to get their advice on the business of information security. This podcast gives our listeners actionable takeaways to help them increase the effectiveness of their security program. Today, we are joined by Nasreen Reze, the global CISO of GE. In this episode, we will be discussing the ever-evolving role of the CISO from Nasreen's unique perspective as a leader and visionary with over 20 years of experience in the field. Nasreen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Happy to have you here. So I thought we would start with a a very short walk down memory lane and walk Hmm. us through your career in terms of what brought you to be the global CISO of GE. Kind of a big deal. I can't imagine that was easy. So give us, uh, give us a little snapshot of how that was possible. Of course. So going way back when right out of uh, college, I started as an entry-level developer at Hewlett Packard. Uh, I did an internship for them. And then right when I was still in college, they hired me. And I would say um, I, uh, over time, just really went from uh, entry-level software developer uh, to really pushing the, the boundaries, got into technical project management and IT management. But when I reflect kind of my early career at, uh, at Hewlett Packard, a lot of what I call zigzagging, but in, in reality was both combination of business leadership and technology leadership. Um, uh, that, that helped me, and I uh, later on put it in context in terms of the role of a CISO. Then I uh, went to my, really my career in the cybersecurity started at CISO as, 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 as Cisco. Um, I was looking to, to really broaden and be deep in a field uh, that was very specialized. At the time, Cisco was really expanding its product portfolio and, and was looking to demonstrate to the market that uh, you know, security is embedded in everything we delivered at the time and, and still a leader in that space, I should say. And, um, and so I joined the, the security organization and as, as a key differentiator for customers. And to be honest with you, I absolutely fell in love with it, with the protection aspect of it, with the customer orientation after of it, and, and the fact that as a CISO, you, you're constantly need to be at the edge of business and technology and really work your way up to protecting it. So I've kind of stayed with it. And, and after Cisco, I wanted to broaden my horizon and to really think beyond just technology for companies because I've most of my career has been in Silicon Valley. So very much focused on uh, more bleeding edge technology and I wanted to get different perspectives. So I went to banking. I was chief technology risk officer at State Street Bank. Tremendous experience in, as the bank was transforming and we really needed to think through the technology architecture evolution of the company. Then uh, joined GE Capital when GE still had a very strong uh, financial arm. Led that uh, and also led to the, the vestiture of a great portion of that business, which equally taught me a whole lot of 
things about you know a simultaneous divestiture of several businesses from a cybersecurity perspective, and ultimately um, took over the role of uh, global CISO for for GE um, over two and a half years ago. And for those of the listeners that are not familiar with GE. GE is a combination of a uh, unique set of businesses, uh, still a small financial arm, but aviation business, um, healthcare, uh, renewable, and also power. So we say we, we basically are in the back-end infrastructure of enabling every nation in terms of transportation, healthcare system, power, and also new forms of energy um, in the context of renewable. So it's an exciting place to be uh, with all the changes that are happening. It's still fascinating because at the end of the day, it goes back to my customer orientation, Kevin, that uh, you, you are developing these set of uh, advanced capability for customers across the globe. Right. So speaking of, of change and change, mm-hmm. I, I know in the past you've referred to yourself as a change agent. So when, you know, two and a half years ago, when you stepped into this role as global CISO, what, what changes did you make? <laughs> Very good question. Um, it's really broadening across. So let me tell you a little bit about the structure of how we operate. So for each of the businesses, just because of the massive size of GE, 170 country, over 300,000 um, employees, even with, with the shrinking footprint as we have divested, every business has a, um, has a business CISOs, CISO, and then those business CISOs report to me and also to their function. So uh, one of the, I would say, the most important thing that we all did collectively is to change the definition of cyber. Uh, in the past, historically, it was thought about IT security. Today, nobody at GE thinks that way. It's, it's, it's everything we do. It's our commercial strategy. It's manufacturing. It's product. It's, it's, it's our presence um, in the cloud. And yes, it happens to be enterprise IT. And um, so that's, I would say that's the biggest change that I've spearheaded with the leadership team. Uh, and really changing the dialogue and making sure that every CEO thinks of cyber as part of their business strategy. Okay, so um, not sure if our listeners know this, but you were also the first female CEO mm-hmm. at GE, and I know we've dedicated entire podcasts uh, to uh, the lack of women in information security. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but perhaps you could talk just a little bit about some advice that you'd give for women who are looking to become leaders in the cybersecurity field. Yep. So, uh, yes. So, I'll start with that. I'm absolutely proud to be, to be the first female global CISO um, at GE, but I'm not alone. Actually, we have a head of aviation businesses, a female, uh, Denine DeFurier, the head of... Um, CISO for our power business is also a lady by the name of Teresa Zelensky. So I, I think it's amazing that in a, that in a company like you know two of the biggest businesses and myself is female. So uh, I just tell you that GE promotes this, uh, and and it's it is it's a good place to be in that respect. 
But I would say, and what you've heard in other podcasts, I still believe, and we all collectively believe that we don't have enough female in the cybersecurity uh, biz, uh, space. Right. And, 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 and it's multifaceted, and I won't take too much time, but it's really tackling it across the entire um, life cycle of an individual, um, a, a young girl in middle school, all the way to first entry into companies, the progression over time as they go through life changes. Um, and ultimately wanting to stay and take on kind of big challenging role in cyber. Um, so we have jointly with my, with my leadership team created what we call a cyber security wonder women board. And our target is really tackle three fronts. One, how to bring young women into the field. Number two, uh, how to keep the women we have and really help them get to some of the more diversified part of cybersecurity, not just necessarily certain area, but expand them to architecture, to incidents response, to threat intelligence, and then how really promote this in the industry. And we're doing a a partnership with a company called Europe Mm -hmm. uh, and and also the the one of the universities in Richmond to Mm -hmm. really go to um, some of the under uh, uh, developed or some of the uh, high schools where young people, minorities and women um, are uh, and, and really show them the art of possible by training them uh, in high school, then putting through some pro- uh, programs at the college. And if they finish that, they go to a Europe program. And if they finish that, then they come to my company as an internship, and if successful, we hire them. It's really back to the concepts of showing them what's possible, mm-hmm. and then in really having almost a carrot along the way so that they stay. So that's for young people, just mm-hmm. by way of example. And we have several other programs because we just truly believe it's not just something you do because you're being good good it's mm-hmm. something you have to do because of the massive shortage of cybersecurity professionals and we have to tap into the female market right i think it's what 1.5 million jobs in general right male or female mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about goals for a minute uh so every year uh we interview a group of CISOs out at rsa and we ask them to list their top strategic goals and This year, 2019, the most popular answers were business alignment, orchestration and automation, and third-party risk, right? Trying to do better in those areas. Would you agree with those three? Um, If not, what what do you think the top three goals of a CISO should be? And and lastly, how do you think this will change in the future and evolve? Mm -hmm. So I would say, uh, do I generally agree? Yes, depending on uh, every, like, Key and, and I think you touched it on the first one. Um, every CISO responsibility is to continually mature and uplevel their capabilities um, and embed them in the business practices. So let's like align that to your business alignment because it's not a just sheer mere uh, implementation of a tech stack or defense in the traditional sense. You check. Number two, tied to uh, 
uh, to really what you called out um, around third party, it is absolutely paramount because with digital transformation and as, you know, take like industrial such as ourselves, you know, our manufacturing processes, our product development processes, or the shift to SaaS has necessitated the entry of third party into our ecosystem. And so, and so, and, and especially for those third parties shift to cloud, you're, you're dealing with a secondary and tertiary kind of compliance and oversight that unattended has consequences that we see in the media all the time and it happens to us, right? And it's operationally can be detrimental if you don't understand that. For example, if I have a, a supplier that is sole source provider for two of our businesses that from a manufacturing and they're breached, that's massive impact to GE. So that's hugely important. So I, I would uh, agree with that. And then I would add to that is mm -hmm. that I think there are some basic um, focus on hygiene is that especially with the shift to cloud, that that is absolutely necessary. The Capital mm -hmm. One incidents or other incidents we see has shown all of us that the shift to agile development and the shift to cloud has taken a more systematic control model in the past when you had a group that defined security controls and put it at the hands of every single developer. And, and so it necessitates thinking and, and a structure and level of control and automation that, that not every company has. Mm -hmm. The other dimension is the shift to SaaS has, in, has also necessitated us thinking about those type of things. So if a business group that has a SaaS relationship, take a basic one, salesforce.com, doesn't do the right set of config studying and changes, um, and that ends up being a vulnerability for the company, you need to have a visibility to that. So mm -hmm. I kind of put it in the basic hygiene, but it truly is not basic hygiene. It's a shift in how IT is being delivered Mm -hmm. in form of SaaS and cloud, and in shift in, in power and position of development, which is impacting our traditional model of security and control that we need to rethink through automation and continue automated continuous monitoring. Part of what is behind a lot of that automation in continuous is, is technology. And I wanna tap into your experience as a CTO and uh, really marry that with what you're doing now as a global CISO and talk about the industry for a minute. Mm -hmm. it, it, there's thousands of vendors right now under the information security umbrella. There's a, an insane amount of VC funding that's gone into this space. Uh, so many startups, seems to be too many vendors and, and too few can be sustained and there can only be so much consolidation. In your opinion, are we in a bubble? Um, I was reading up the um, article about VMware mm -hmm. today. And mm -hmm. so there is, I think there is a degree of consolidation because for the pure reason that stacking up 
technology doesn't solve Estricio's problem. Mm -hmm. And most of us have come to the realization that you truly need to understand your business architecture, your technology architecture, and the tech stack that supports it. Mm -hmm. And success is when all of that is basically incorporated into the operation in a systematic way. Because in an incident situation, if you don't know where your tech stack is, you don't know your asset is, you don't know the response, that technology is not as useful to you as possible. So it's really a continual evaluation of that business and technology optimization for simplicity because mm -hmm. too much technology introduces complexity. And really, in, in all of that, with the mindset of speed to resolution and response, right? Defense and protection. So I think if you map that out to, the, to what's happening in the market, mm -hmm. you're seeing for, for, for a lot of us, as CISOs, we're looking to these big companies and saying this uh, um, hodgepodge of technology selection mm -hmm. is just not tenable. So you're seeing kind of that consolidation, mm -hmm. which is, gives us the ability to really look at this from an integrated point of view. And then if, so if you look at that, the VMware, the Cisco, some of these big players and the way they're buying niche players, it makes sense, right? But I also would say you do need the Silicon Valley of the world to really have those, those small startups that, one, figure out the hard problems mm -hmm. in a very small-scale fashion. And, and, and in our portfolio, we still always look at them because a lot of times big companies don't tackle this one because at the end of the day, you know that more than anybody is that you, 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 you end up as a bigger company adhere to what your customers want and some of those niche use cases are not satisfied. And I, so I still think there is room for those niche players. We're seeing it in automation and orchestration. We're seeing it in machine learning around incidence response. We're seeing it um, in the identity-based uh, um, uh, protection and also at the app um, security level. And, and then we're seeing a tremendous change and in new uh, innovation around industrial protection, uh, discovery, asset discovery, uh, and defense in, for us um, that didn't exist before. I want to go back to something you said earlier, and that was trying to really foster uh, really a security culture by baking the mentality into the individual CISOs within GE. You know, I have a saying, you can't evolve unless you're involved. And I think security is also a people problem. And I think really the goal is to get your people involved as much as possible, mm -hmm. to create a strong corporate security culture. And I think about your role in just how enormous GE is. How, how do you do that with the people, with mm -hmm. the company? It's, it's, a, it's a great question. So back to the operating model that we have and how we run. That's why we have, first of all, CISOs that are embedded in their businesses. They understand their business. They reach truly, I would say to you, I've been in this industry for a long time. G is the best example of the cybersecurity teams being embedded in their businesses. They understand the business models. 
when they advise to their business, it's informed um, of their, that business's customer requirement, regulatory requirement, and, and, and advice and a bit of a space view. So I think our operating model supports it. And then two is just reaching out constantly. I do every other almost monthly blog to the entire company. We, we push the boundaries of awareness and communication. There used to be a time we were not very comfortable talking about our incidents to the company. But once we started to kind of share some of that uh, and tell people why we do the thing we do mm-hmm. people actually come around and go okay so i did contribute to that uh now i get it because it's you know we the the mindset of security by obscurity and not tell what happened is not very helpful when you're trying to bring the people in um so i think it's it's an everyday battle there is but no way it can be done if um if um if you don't have everybody involved. And I will tell you, my CEO, the new CEO is utterly engaged. Hmm. One of his first thing he did, and this is the, the gentleman who's come to really work across to change GE. He spent hours with us in my fusion center and um, to really understand our cybersecurity, what we do, how we do it. Hmm. Um, so I think the culture needs to be top down and bottom up and we work it. We just work it, and you can't stop. Okay, one last question for you, and I want you to look into your crystal ball if possible. Looking forward, mm-hmm. say, five, ten years, even though ten years sounds like a, a lifetime, how will the CISO role transform, broad strokes, your opinion? So I want to take you back to the, what you talked to, asked me about being a change, change agent and what mm-hmm. has changed for, for me and, and our CISOs. Okay. So think about the scope. It is all of GE. It's directly tied to future direction of GE. It's product, it's manufacturing. And so the sphere of influence for us CISOs is changing. It's my direct interaction with the board, with the CEO. It's our interaction with customers, being in the middle of a commercial negotiation and demonstrating to the customers that we have superior products. We care about cybersecurity in our products, in our systems, ecosystem. So I think in the, and it's already there, but I think the CISO role definitely become even more strategic. Um, I think we're applicable, and I've never had a particular point of view, but I think the role would go beyond IT in terms of organizational reporting. We're going to see more and more patterns uh, where CISOs will report to CEOs, COOs with a dotted line to the board. Mm -hmm. I think because of the expertise that we have, both from business and technology, you're going to see us do a couple of things, have a commercial arm, because we can, and, uh, or really be big advisors to startups, which, which is a trend that you're seeing, but you're going to see more and more of it, which is a career path that's very desirable to a lot of the CISOs. Mm. So I think um, uh, it's that kind of advisory and tech companies. Uh, 
a CISO sitting on a board, which, you know, I happen to be sitting on the board, it's not just for your technology background and the CISO, but the embeddedness of that transformational CISO in a business strategy of a sector that they operate is absolutely vital for any startup that's looking to penetrate into a particular technology or business sector. So I, I find it's a job that is very in many sleepless nights, but if you love it and can live with the craziness of it, it's utterly rewarding and has many paths in terms of transformation in my mind in the next five to 10 years. Nasreen, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, it's an exciting time. It's a crazy time. You're so right. Within information security, roles are revolving and growing, and uh, we really appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, I know our Thank listeners. you for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. Our listeners will certainly benefit from, you know, your unique outlook, your experience, the approach, the, some of the ideas and thoughts that you've put forward today. And, and for the rest of our listeners, you can learn more about uh, this episode as well as hear other podcasts and CISO interviews right on our website, kilogicsecurity.com forward slash podcast. Thanks, Nesreen. Mm-hmm.